Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Hey, my name is Bobby. If I haven't got to meet you yet, I uh, would love that opportunity. Grateful you're here today. City Hope is a place where uh, I hope you feel that your presence matters. And your presence matters because your story matters. No matter what you think, your story matters. So today, thank you for being here, especially if this is one of your first times. Uh, we're, we're honored to have you. It's a big week, all right? We've got Super Bowl tonight. And do we, I want to know, do we have any, like, you're a legit Chiefs fan? Like, you've been a Chiefs fan your whole life. Anybody? None at all. We didn't have any in the first service either. What about 49ers? Like, you're not a bandwagon guy. You're, so nobody here cares about the Super Bowl, right? Right? Taylor Swift fans, <laughs> you know? I heard, I, someone told me that there's literally, if you're a, well, I shouldn't say it. Never mind. Um, a big, big week. If you're not a Super Bowl fan, we do got Valentine's Day this week, right? Any Valentine's fans? Come on. All right. A couple of ladies. All right. I like it. All right, fellas, the gas station down here still has flowers. If you want to pick some up, uh, it'd be good. So we're in week three of a relationship series, so it works perfect with Valentine's Day. Um, But we've been talking about walls into windows, walls into windows. And the reason why we're using this kind of uh, example is because some of you can think through some of your relationships in your life that you just feel like there's a wall there. There's something blocking. It's not, there's not really a great connection. And, and through God's word and through uh, the help of his word, we can turn those walls into windows. I really believe that. This is, this is so, so, so important to me as a pastor as I've looked and been able to minister for years and years and years now. Man, relationships are everything. Relationships are everything. We cannot go in our lives any place without relationships. And so two of our core values here at City Help Church, like what, what is this church all about? You know, I want to check them out. Two of the things that we focus on more than anything is number one, we want to help you become a God-centered, healthy family. And, and that's just something that we're passionate about because the family is, is, is what God uses throughout the history to, to get his message out. The church family, our families. And so we're, we're all about healthy, God-centered families. And then number two, real relationships, right? We all have enough friends on our friends list. Who are the people that love us, that care for us, that are going to have our back when times are tough, are going to kick us when we need to be kicked. And so relationships are everything. If if today's the first day you've been with us, go back and check out uh, week one and two. Week one, we talked about humility and how that plays a part in all of our relationships. And we looked at six ways that you can know if you need to get over yourself, all right? It was was a fun week, and, and I got a lot of response out of that one. So go back and check that out. Humility. And then week two, last week, we talked about honor, making sure that honor is a part of all of our relationships and how sometimes the lack of honor puts walls where windows should be, right? And we don't have that honor. And God gave us the plan for this. God gave us, while most people fight to receive honor, God calls Christians, his people, to fight to give honor. And that's how we help our walls turn into windows in in our relationships. And so today, um, before I give you the, the, the characteristic, the attribute that we're going to talk about today, I want to say this. If, if you've been a Christian for very long, if you've opened your Bible very much, you know that there's some hard things that the Bible asks us to do. There's some of the things in the Bible that, that honestly, we would rather if they not be in there because we like to pass over those. It makes us a little uncomfortable and like, how can I ever do that? And so um, today we're going to talk about one of those things. And it's, it's one that we can't leave out. We can't ignore just because it makes us uncomfortable. 
kind of the, the second warning I want to give you is this. I'm going to give you a lot of content today, all right? I'm going to give you a lot of content. My wife takes notes every week, and, and I asked her, did I go too fast? She's like, yes, 100%. You went way too fast. So I'm going to give you a lot. So if you're a note taker, even if you're not, I want to just encourage you to, to take some notes today. Take some pictures of the screen. Get it on your phone, whatever you want to do, because the reality is I'm going to give you a big, like, 96-ounce steak today, all right? And the only way you eat a steak is what? One bite at a time, all right? And so today I'm going to give you a lot of content, and, and I want to encourage you to take some notes, write some of this down so that you can chew on it for the rest of the week. And this one, this one takes some maturity. This one takes some uh, humility. This one takes some honor. So today we're going to look at a call to holiness, a call to holiness in a world marked by chaos in a world marked by decay. God beckons his children to a higher standard of living. God calls us, his children to a life of holiness. So what does that really mean? What does holiness really mean? Does that mean I got to be perfect? Does that mean I can't mess up, that if I, if I slide a little bit over to the right or left, does that mean that, that I don't get in? Well, I want to give you kind of a, a little bit of a definition, and then we're going to break this down today. Biblical holiness refers to the concept of being set apart. Biblical holiness refers to the concept of being set apart or consecrated for a, for a sacred or holy purpose. So biblical holiness, if, if you want to just kind of bring it all the way down, I'm going to give you kind of two words. It's just being set apart. Biblical holiness means that I'm going to be set apart. In, in a world of, of struggle and moral decay and spiritual unpurity, how can I, as a follower of Christ, adhere to God's commands, be dedicated to living my life according to the way that he calls me to? Being committed to the things that God asks me to be committed to. Now, I want to be very clear here at the beginning. I'm not saying we need to go to this some legalistic way of living our lives. That's not what this is about, all right? There's not, I'm not going to give you a list of rules to follow. And if you do this, then you're holy. That's the wrong way to look at this. As a matter of fact, the Bible even tells us you can't do that. You're never going to get there on your own if that's how you live your life. Isaiah says this, maybe a verse you've heard before. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. So we're unclean. And anything that I think is righteousness, in God's eyes, it's as filthy rags. Let me give it to you in an illustration like this. My wife, Shira, uh, we've been married. This year will be 20 years. And so we've known each other for almost 23 years now. Shira is from Prince Edward Island, Canada, all right? If you've never seen it on a map, go to Maine in your mind, go to Maine, and then hang a right and go north, all right? And then you're about like six to eight hours to her house. It's way up there, all right? In the 23 years that I've known Shira, I've been to her house one time in the winter months, all right? I go during the summertime because they, for some reason, enjoy cold weather up there when I don't, all right? 2003, my kids have actually never been there in the winter, all right? My oldest is 16 years old, never in the winter. So uh, um, um, 2003, I, I flew up to Canada and went there for the winter months for the first time. And that's probably the reason why I haven't been back. Um, and so I'll never forget, get there. This was the, the year we got engaged, it was during Christmas time. And so I get there and it starts snowing, right? And I'm from Kentucky. And in Kentucky, when you get like an inch, like it shuts down, right? Like not, school's shut, you know, bread's gone, milk's gone, kind of like here, right? Here, if it gets cold, we freak out. But, but 
it starts snowing in Canada and it keeps snowing and, and for like three days it snows. And I'm like, I'm not going to get, I'm going to get stuck up here. Like, I don't want to live here. Like, it was, it was just, I, I was, I was panicking and they're all like, just calm, chill. Like this is everyday life, right? It's just normal. So uh, uh, we were, we were fresh out of college at this time. So let's, let's do something. What do you do when it goes snowing? Let's go sledding, right? So right next door to Shira's house is a church and, and, and it has a kind of a, a good size hill there. Uh, and so she's like, let's go, let's go. And I was like, sure, cheap date. We're going to go have some fun, right? Let's go sledding. So we get out there and it's, and it's, it's kind of dark. It's kind of evening time and the lights are just, man, I get over there and see the hill and it's beautiful right? The lights are just like glistening. The snow is beautiful. It's pure. No, no footprints, no animal tracks, man. It was amazing. And I'm not sure how much snow it was. To me, it was like seven feet, but it probably wasn't that much, but man, it was beautiful. And we, we, so we get over there and we start sledding. We go down that thing, you know, a hundred times, who knows? And by the time we were done, that beautiful, awesome, pure white snow hill was full of dirt and mud and footprints and sled tracks. And we just kind of tore it up, right? And here's kind of the, 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 the object lesson, if you will. When we think about God's holiness and Bible, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. When I think of God's holiness, I think of the pure, unblemished, beautiful, brilliant snow, the lights glistening off of it. I mean, just majestic looking, right? Think some of you've been out West and, and you've seen just Oh my goodness, how awesome is this? And then the Bible calls our righteousness as filthy rags. And so here's Shira and I, and we're dirt and we're mud and we're messing it all up and we're, we're making it look not pure and beautiful anymore, right? And so, so how can a God who's so pure and holy and amazing, and then here's us, the, the dirt, the mud, the mire, the footprints, how do we relate to one another? How can I bring this, this relationship if what I'm bringing to the table is mud and dirt and what he's bringing to the table is pure, unblemished holiness, how can we really connect? How can there be a window? Well, the book of Leviticus, it's an Old Testament book, I think gives us some really good insight of how, how we can live our lives. What do we need to do in order to get there so that we can relate to God? And let me, let me just read a couple verses to you here in Leviticus chapter number 20, verse seven and eight. We're gonna look at it in two different versions because I, I think we'll get a good insight. The Bible says this, consecrate yourselves and be holy. Consecrate's probably not a word you use regularly. All right, it means set apart. Consecrate yourselves and be holy for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sets you apart. Now, I want you to see this in the message. The message is like a paraphrase of the Bible. It's not a literal translation, uh, but, but look what the, the message says. Like, I think we get, uh, we can, it helps us see it a little bit better. He says this, set yourselves apart for a holy life. Live a holy life because I am, God, your God. Do what I tell you. Live the way I tell you. I am the God who makes you holy. I am the God who makes you holy. So here's what he's saying. Don't use your righteousness, the things that you think that are right in the world, because those are like filthy rags. Follow the way that I tell you to live. And then here's what he says. It's not because of you doing anything. He says, I'm the one that makes you holy. It's not your goods and, your, and, and your, your good outweighs your bad. That's not gonna work. He says, I'm the one who makes you holy. 
So again, let's dwindle it all down to one sentence to, to kind of help us understand. Holiness is a call to be set apart by God's people. Holiness is a call to be set apart as God's people. So when we think about holiness, it's not about perfection. It's not about following a list of rules. It's being set apart. Now, before we jump into this, and, and this is the part, man, the, there, there's a portion of this that we really have to understand. We have to understand who we are in order to get to the holiness, all right? And, and this is a six to eight week course, all right? And I'm going to give it to you in about six to eight minutes, all right? So I really, really, really need you to, to kind of jump in here with me and, and stay with me. I, I hope that I don't go too fast, but uh, that's why we have a podcast so you can go back and listen to it, all right? So, so the first step of holiness, holiness starts with salvation. Holiness starts with salvation. The absolute first step into you and I becoming holy is making a commitment to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Only you can begin to walk with God. The only way that I can begin to even get close to living a holy life is by taking a step of, of salvation. Now, again, Salvation is a church term. I'm gonna give you a lot of church terms today. And the basic definition of the word salvation, think about it, is to, to be delivered from danger, to be delivered from conflict or suffering, to, to, to save or protect, all right? And so biblically speaking, what does that mean? Holiness starts with salvation. Okay, to be delivered from conflict, to be delivered from, from evil, from suffering, from danger. What do I need to be delivered from? right? 2024, what do I need? Why do I need salvation? Well, let me explain it like this, all right? In Genesis chapter one, let's go all the way back to the beginning of creation. God created man and God created man in his own image. And the Bible says that God called man good. And man was unblemished. Man was perfect. Man was spotless because God made him. And they had, they had connection. There was no wall in the way. There was only windows, right? He was created to be in an everlasting, beautiful relationship with God. That's what God did for man. His name was Adam. Then just a few chapters later in Genesis chapter three, we read that because man wanted to do his own thing, Adam sinned and brought sin into the world, all right? So stay with me. Unblemished, beautiful, created for everlasting harmony with the Lord. But Adam says, no, 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 I wanna try my own thing. And he lets sin come into the world. Now, because of this sin that come into Adam's life, now that separated Adam, humanity, from this beautiful, unblemished, pure, holy God. Now there was something in the way. There was a wall put in the way, if you will. And so because Adam sinned, guess what happened? For the rest of humanity, when you and I were born, we automatically have sin on us. We have a sin nature. You don't have to teach your kids how to lie. They just do, right? You don't have to teach your kids how to be bad and to be selfish. We just, we're all born that way. So Adam sins, thanks bud, rest of humanity, rest of humanity it's put on us. Now, the Bible goes on to say, because of Adam's sin, there is a penalty for sin. You and I have to face that penalty. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The payment that we now have to suffer is death. We no longer get to be over here where Adam was in perfect communion and harmony with the Lord, right? Because sin entered our lives and we were born into that. So what in the world do I need? How do I need salvation? If, if holiness starts with salvation, so because of my sin, because of the wages, the penalty for my sin, I now get an eternity in hell. That's my penalty, death. 
No, no righteousness, no God, no nothing, it's death. But here's the, here's the good news, the Bible calls it. God says, you know what? I created you to do this. I created you to have this relationship, but we stepped over, sent into the world, but here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send my son. I'm gonna let him take on your penalty of sin. All the dirt, all the ugly, all the muck, all the filthy rags. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let my son come and pay the penalty for your sins because you can't do it on your own. And the only way that you can even get close to being back to over here is by giving your life to my son for what he did. Giving your heart to him. And so, so the Bible really gives us three steps of salvation. And I want to give you those today. And these are three really churchy words, and I just want to encourage you to, to write them down, and, and hopefully they speak to your heart, and, and you can dig into them a little bit more this week, all right? And so, three stages of salvation. Salvation brings us into restoration back with God. So there was a penalty. We were separated from God. Jesus comes. He dies on the cross. He's buried. He rises again. We give our lives to Christ, and it brings restoration back to the way that God created it. But here's the three stages of sin or or salvation. Number one is justification. It's called justification. What that simply means is God instantly forgives you. When you give your life to him, you repent of your sins, you turn away from him, God instantly forgives you. You're justified. All your past sins, present sins, future sins, are, you are made right in the eyes of God. That's justification. Two is sanctification. The second kind of step or level of our salvation is sanctification. And this is where we live in our lives today. We're forgiven of our sins, but our sin nature is still there, right? Just because I read the Bible, just because I pray, just because I go to church doesn't mean that I don't struggle with sin, right? We would all agree to that. But I have to make sure that I'm, 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 when I do sin, I, I turn back to God. and ah, I messed that one up. I'm sorry, Lord. I repent. I, I, forgive me, Lord. I was headed this way, but now I'm going to go this way. And, and God, you're, you're sanctifying me. You're cleansing me. You're helping me become more like you. It's called sanctification. We're constantly in sanctification, being conformed into the image of Christ. And then the, the last step, if you will, is glorification glorification. This is when Christ comes back. And we'll, we'll do a sermon series on this one day, the, the end times, but Christ comes back. He takes our sinful bodies and he purifies them and destroys our sin nature. And then, and then in essence, our new bodies will be like Christ. Our new bodies will be holy. We'll be clothed in his righteousness and we will sing praises to the Lord forever and ever. So during this, this uh, uh, salvation process, the justification, the sanctification, the glorification, we're already forgiven by God because of the work that Christ has done. But we strive to get better. We strive to be discipled. We strive to live our lives. We strive to be holy. It's, we strive to be holiness. So, so holiness starts with salvation. Now I wanna go back. Let's go back to those two words that we talked about at the beginning, being set apart, being set apart. Because probably most of us in here, uh, uh, maybe, maybe not everybody, but most of you have probably uh, had that step. You've taken that step of salvation. You feel like you, you've given your life to the Lord. Doesn't mean you're perfect, doesn't mean, but, but how can I be set apart? How can I live my life different? The first Peter chapter one, verse 14 says this. 
as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. This is, this is over here, Adam, right? You were, you were in sin. You were, you were desiring selfish stuff. It was all about you. And the Bible says, don't be conformed to the desires over here, but as the one who called you holy, you are also to be holy in all of your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I'm holy. And so when, when Peter, Peter's repeating the Lord's words here and he's specifically talking to believers, he's specifically talking to the church and he's saying, you need to live by God's standards, not the world's standards. It's not about the, the things that you used to chase after before you came to know the Lord. Now you need to live your life by God's standards. And here's what I want somebody to hear today. And you need to hear this because maybe you're, you're a, a Enneagram one or you're, you're, you know, you're just a, a, a person that is, is, perfection's got to be me and I got to walk this straight line and I can't stray. God isn't calling us to be perfect. God is not calling you to be perfect. He's calling you to be distinct from the world. I hope that frees you a little bit. I hope that helps you a little bit in your walk with the Lord because perfection is never going to be had here on earth. God's not calling you and I to be perfect. He's calling you and I to be distinct from the world. In my family, how are we set apart from the rest of the world? In my marriage, how are we set apart? In my business, in my relationships, in my friendships, how can we be set apart? We're gonna look at some practical ways that the Bible gives us that we can be set apart, that God's children can can be set apart for holiness in our world. But before we look there, I want to ask you a question. Just uh, uh, go along with me here. I want to give you a couple words, and I want you to think, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when I give you these words? All right, you ready? Everybody good? All right. I know I'm going fast, but I'll slow it down here for you. All right. When when you hear the word rules, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Don't shout it out, because it's probably not good. All right. When you hear the word when you hear the word laws, what do you think? What do you think? Some of you are like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I like the laws. I like do not murder, right? I don't love the speed limit laws, but, uh, but yeah, some of them are good. Some of them, right, you know. By the way, I got to meet one of our fine state troopers yesterday. He was a nice guy. Uh, really enjoyed him. Um, Some of the laws are good. Some of the commands, some of the rules that, that God gives, some of them are good. Some of them might be holding me back a little bit. Maybe some of you thought, ah, that's not, I, I, can't, I can't live up to that, right? I think about the rules. I think about law. I think about the commands that God gives. I, I don't know how I can ever keep that one. That's just, that's just not me. That's just not me. Look what 1 John chapter 5 says. For this is what love of God is, to keep his commands. This is what love of God is. If I'm developing a love relationship with the Lord, the, the, the way that I know that I love the Lord is to keep his commands. And look at, listen to this. And his commands are not a burden. His commands are not a burden. I, I, I like to think, when, when I think of God's commands, I like to think of them as guardrails in my life. I don't get mad when I drive by guardrails, right? Because why? It's keeping me from going off the cliff. It's keeping me safe. It's keeping me from going into un- oncoming traffic, right? The guardrails there are to help me. The guardrails in my life, the, 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 the laws, the commands, the, the, the rules that God has, they're not there to hurt us. They're there, the Bible says, they're not a burden. They are to keep you and I from harm. You see, God's ways are way higher than our ways. And so he, he puts these guardrails in our life to, to protect us spiritually, to protect us emotionally, to protect us physically. And if we look at God's commands in any other way, guess what happens? 
that's when walls come up. When we look at God's commands in any other way than his love for us, that's when walls come up. Doing a, a little Bible study with, with several folks here in our church and one of the quotes that came out of this week's study was this. Obedience to God's commands is the outward expression of your love for God. Obedience to God's commands is the outward expression of your love for God. If you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. If you have an obedience problem, you have a love problem. Why? Because your relationship with God reveals what you believe about him. And so here's God, and he's telling you and I, be holy as I am holy. If you are a follower of Christ, remember, holiness starts with salvation. If you've taken care of that, now it's time for you to be set apart in the way you live your life. So here's the plan. How can I be set apart? What are some areas in my life? If I wanna embrace a life of holiness in 2024, what does that look like? Number one, let me give you three quick things and we'll be done. Three quick things. Number one, cultivate a heart of obedience to God's word. Cultivate a heart of obedience to God's word. Listen to David's words. King David, Psalm 119 says this, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I've sought you with all of my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. Let's look at verse 11. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. If I'm gonna obey God's word, then I need to know what God's word's telling me to do. I need to spend time in God's word. The Bible is oftentimes uh, described as spiritual food, food for my soul, right? Think about this for a second. The Bible, it it, it reveals God's character. It reveals what God thinks about you. It reveals who he is and his attributes and all the wonderful, glorious things that he is. It reveals how he interacts with humanity. It reveals his desire for creation. The Bible is full of knowledge for you and I. It's a guidebook for life. Whatever you're walking through in your family, it gives timeless wisdom and practical insights. The Bible gives Christians a, a Uh, just vision for ministry. It gives you wisdom for for counseling and discipling and how to be a better dad and be a better parent and how to love people. The Bible is full of God's wisdom. And the Bible has the power to transform our character. It has the power to transform and renew our minds and to give us a new path. You gotta fall in love with the word of God. How can I be set apart in this world in 2024, what can my family do? What can I do as an individual? Fall in love with the word of God. Cultivate a heart of obedience to what he calls you. Number two, number two, this one isn't the funnest one, but, but I think it's important. Flee from sin and pursue righteousness. Flee from sin and pursue righteousness. Paul tells church in 2 Timothy, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Let's talk about fleeing sin for a second. The Bible calls us to flee sexual immorality, to flee impurity, to flee from lust, to flee from sin, to flee from sin. It means rejecting ungodly attitudes like like greed and pride and anger and bitterness. One way that, I'm just a very practical person. I'm very black and white. So I try to, try to, 
put things in my life to, to help me remember, remember all this, right? And one of the ways that I try to work through this is, is just, a, it's kind of a two-step process for me. Recognize and repent. Recognize and repent. The first step to, to flee from my sin is I gotta call it what it is. I gotta recognize that it is sin because so often we, we justify our actions. We say, oh no, it's just a little bad habit. It's not really a big deal. It's not an addiction. It's just something that I do. I, I know I need to stop doing it. You gotta recognize and call it what it is, right? What's the old saying? Call a spade a spade. Like, like you gotta call, it's a sin. A sin is a sin. Okay, well, well, how do I know if it's a sin? Well, refer back to step one. Fall in love with the word of God and God's word will tell you if it's a sin. God's word will reveal to you, yeah, this is a place that you need to recognize is a sin. This requires some tough self-examination, doesn't it? This requires some willingness for me to go, yeah, this isn't an area where I'm aligned with God. This isn't an area I need to recognize and I need to call it sin. And then the second step is repent. Recognize and repent. Repentance involves a change of heart. It involves a change of mind. Here's repentance, if I can give it to you an example. I'm walking towards sin. This is the way I'm going. I stop. I, I, I ask God for forgiveness. I repent. I turn away from my sin, and I begin to walk back to where the Lord has me to go. A repentance is a turning away from sin. Recognize and repent. Christians, we should always acknowledge our sins. Confess our sins to God. Seek his forgiveness. Pursue his righteousness. Number three, last one. Practice purity. Practice purity in thought. Practice purity in speech. Practice purity in action. Now listen, I wanna, I wanna take just a second and go through these three things. But the Bible lists a lot of ways that, that we can be set apart in our, in, our, in our daily lives, in our lives in 2024. But I wanna give you these three. I thought these three were, were kind of, uh, overarching can encompass, encompass a lot. The Bible says, be pure in thought. For, uh, Philippians chapter four, listen to this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if anything is praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Think on these things. Your thoughts are vital. You wanna pursue holiness in your life, your thoughts are vital. If you're gonna win the battle for holiness, you gotta win the battle inside. Some of you are already defeated. Oh, I can't be holy. That's that's not me. And you've already been defeated because your mind is already in those bad places. I want you to hear something today. Each and every one of us in here, you were born with a conscience. You were born with a conscience, something inside of you. And and you gotta see this, your conscience is your warning system placed inside of your soul to prevent you from ruining and destroying yourself spiritually. Let me say that again. Your conscience is your warning system inside of your soul that helps you understand you're headed in the wrong path. Something needs to change. And when there's that uneasy feeling, your conscience is that warning system telling you, you gotta make some changes. My conscious, it's either accusing me or it's excusing me. Your conscious is either accusing you or excusing you. And the Bible says, capture my thoughts. Okay, how do I do this? How do I do this? I take my thoughts and then I put them up. I match them up to God's word. 
Here's my thoughts. Here's what I think. Is this, is this what God's word says? Is this helping me be set apart? Is this helping me be holy? I got to capture my thoughts. I practice purity in thoughts. Second place, I know I'm going through these quick, and I want you to go back and read what God's word has to say about these things. But the second place is our speech. Our speech. I'll step on some toes on these next two. The Bible says, therefore, put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Words matter. Your words have the power to strengthen your relationships or to strangle your relationships. Your words have the power to put walls up or to bring walls down, to put windows. And God's word says, put away lying. For some of you in here today, for some of you, maybe you're listening on our podcast, the reason there's walls in your relationships is because you can't stop lying. We got to call sin what it is. We got to recognize what it is. Ah, it's just a little bad habit. I tend to bend the truth. I don't want people to know the real me. No, you lie. I'll never forget. Recently, just less than five years ago, Sharon and I were doing some marriage counseling. And we had four or five times with these couples, or with this couple, and something just fell off. And what it, it, we ended up finding out is the gentleman had problems with lying. And it wasn't about big stuff. He would say, man, I went to Sunset for lunch when he really went to Wendy's. And it was the weirdest thing. And we're like, what's going on? He had a problem with lying. And their marriage relationship was broken. There were walls because he couldn't stop lying. There's another one, and this one's tough. Ephesians 4.29, look at this verse. No foul language should come out of your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. How can we, again, holiness starts with salvation. So I'm talking to the children of the Lord. I'm talking to the family of God. You're saved. You got Jesus as your Lord. How can we be set apart by our speech? Because guess what? The rest of the world doesn't look at speech as a big deal, do they? It's impure. It's unrighteousness. It's filthy. It's covering my kids' ears so they don't hear it, right? How can we be set apart? And that guy's different. He doesn't talk like everybody else. That lady's different. She doesn't get involved in those gossip conversations. That, those, those folks, are, there's something different about them. Let your speech reflect Christ. And he says actions. What actions in my life, Lord, do I need to live out that will set me apart from the rest of the world, that will let people see that, that I'm striving to live for the Lord? Listen to what James says. Real wisdom, godly wisdom begins with a holy life. This is, this is God's word saying this. You want to be wise? You want to know what it means to be wise? It begins with a holy life that is characterized by getting along with others. My actions get along with others. It's gentle. It's reasonable. It's overflowing with mercy and blessings. It's not hot one day and cold the next. It's not two-faced. You guys know these people. There's no holiness. There's no, there's no talking to them. It's all walls. And God's saying, hey, you want to know what wisdom is? Develop a healthy relationship. Treat each other with dignity and mercy and honor and humility and gentleness. Practice these things. Put these things into real life situations. 
And I want to I want to go ahead and add a few more. And this isn't in the notes, but but how can you be set apart in the places you go? How can I be set apart in the things that we watch? How can we be set apart in the things that we listen to and bring into our hearts and our soul? How can we be different in the things that we drink or we don't drink? God, how can we be different? And now now hear me today. I'm not the Holy Spirit, but my prayer today is that you would take this and you would go to God and you would ask him, God, show me the places in my life personally that I can be set apart. Show us the places in our family that we can be set apart, that we can be different, that we can strive after the holiness that God's talking about. But here's the tough question, and here's the question that I want you to look. Every one of these things, my thoughts, my speech, my actions, the places we go, the things we listen to, the things we watch. Here's the question. Am I bringing fame to Jesus, or am I bringing shame to Jesus? That's a tough question. If we're honest, that's a tough question. If you're not a part of the family of God, this probably doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't, I don't know about that. I get that. That's why it starts with salvation. But may our pursuit of holiness as God's children be marked with humility, be marked with grace, be marked with a relentless pursuit of God's presence. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads, close your eyes. I apologize. I go a little long today. A lot, a lot of stuff to cover. I believe, remember where we started today. All of this has to do with relationships. And I believe if, that, if we would answer the call to holiness, if we would answer the call to be set apart, it would transform so many of our relationships. If we answer the call to be set apart that God has put on our life, it would remove walls. Striving for holiness isn't about being perfect. Hear me today, church. It's about being set apart. It's about being different. It's about living different so that people can tell and experience Christ through your life. Cultivate a heart for God's word. Flee from sin in your life. Practice being set apart. Practice purity. Ask God to reveal the areas of your life where he's convicting you to be different. Make those changes. Remember, God's commands, God's guardrails are not burdens. They're his love. As we close today, if you're here this morning and you've never taken that first step of salvation, that's where this starts. That whole illustration about Adam coming and man, it was perfect, it was beautiful, it was good, the Bible says, but sin entered to the world. Sin has wages and the wages of sin is death. And the only way that I can get out of that is by letting Jesus know that I give him my life because he paid the penalty for my sins. If you've never taken that step, can I encourage you to take it today? As soon as we're done, we'll have some of our prayer team here. I'll be here, Pastor Brad, Pastor Stephen. Grab one of us by the hand and say, hey, I wanna take that step of salvation today. And we'll take God's word and show you and pray with you how you can know that Christ is Lord of your life. The second part of this is the sanctification. 
Most of us in here today are in that season of life where God is sanctifying us. He's changing us. He's growing us. He's improving us. And would you just, in these next few, few moments, just say, God, show me the areas of my life where I need to be sanctified. Show me the areas of my life that I need to give over to you, that I need to be set apart in. Show me the areas in my marriage and in my family and my parenting and my, and my relationships with, at work. Show me the areas, God, that I can be set apart. Because God wants our surrender, church. God wants our surrender. It's not about perfection. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. But the way we relate, the way we are even able to have holiness is through Jesus. Obedience to what he calls us to be, to do. Father, I love you. I'm thankful for your word, even the hard stuff, even the places where we think I'll never get there. Thank you for the reminder today to to strive after you. We can only be holy because you're holy. Lord, I pray for conviction. I pray that our conscience would give great warning this week, that the warning alarms would go off because there's places that you want to consecrate, that you want to set apart. Show us those places, Lord. Give us boldness and courage to make the proper changes, to to continue to fall more in love with you every single day, to fall in love with your word. Give us a passion. Give us a desire to know you better. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray today. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.